Welcome back, listeners, to another edition of Matt Goes to the Movies. And if you're listening, it is Thursday, which means we are ready for another edition of Loki. And what would any Loki episode be without my good friends, Rob and Harrison? They are back. So, Rob, welcome back. Thank you. Um, kind of wild this week, what we have to, to talk about it. It's um, definitely continuing on what we saw in week one. Um, and it's this this show could run in any number of directions. So I'm excited to uh, get a chance to talk to you guys about it. And hopefully you guys can help me understand how I feel about this week's episode. Yeah, I've, I've never helped anybody understand anything. So Harrison, that might have to be you. Um, if you don't know him, this is Harrison from the Basement Binge. But if you've listened to this show, I'm sure you know him. But Harrison, welcome again, man. Oh, thank you. I'm so excited to be here. I mean, I've enjoyed every single one of these Disney Plus episodes that we've done for all the series, whether it was Star Wars or Marvel. But I don't think I've ever been more excited to sit down and talk to the two of you more than I am today about this specific episode because I like, I need help processing what I just watched. <laughs> I, guys, I think that's almost a perfect representation of how we all feel. Um, there's so much to talk about, but I truly in a way don't know how to talk about it because I feel like if I overanalyze what has happened and I try to think too much, I'm going to run into the problem that Harrison has where he doesn't want to form like a hypothesis or start to get kind of <laughs> too far down the rabbit hole because you might take yourself out of it. But there's so many possibilities with almost no answers right now, but it's so exciting this probably is the most excited I've been to talk about any kind of Disney plus episode, just because it's, it's our own multiverse of possibilities for what we can talk about here. So I'm excited to talk about it. I know you guys are too, but before we get into anything, uh, you know, listening to the show, once again, if you're a first time listener and you've clicked on this episode, thank you. If you're a long time listener, thank you as well uh, for still coming back. We all appreciate it. But Harrison, I want to give you an opportunity again. If they don't know, talk about the basement bench for us before we get into the nitty gritty here. Well, thank you. I really appreciate the opportunity. The basement binge is a podcast like the one you're listening to where myself sometimes joined by other great individuals like Matt and Rob, talk about movies that we enjoy. For example, right now, I'm currently binging my way through the Fast and the Furious movies for the very first time, and I've been continually soliciting the help from Matt and Rob to make that interesting, <laughs> and it has been a blast. I've got two episodes out for the first two films, working on the third and the fourth to be uploaded later this week. So yeah, just I'm huge into movies like Matt and Rob are, and I love to talk about them, so podcast was kind of inevitable. So yeah, check out the basement binge on wherever you get your podcasts. Thank you yeah. for that opportunity. Uh, of course. Um, I, I think you, you almost had to keep your eyes pride open for the first one and the second one of fast <laughs> and furious. But... One. If it, I, I mean, you should just go listen to those episodes because it was super fun. But I said this so many times that if it wasn't for the collaboration that I planned with Matt and Rob, I think I would have given up after the second one. <laughs> Yeah, no, those were those were a lot of fun. Uh, the 
you know, being a part of that as a group was the only way I was able to get through the second one. Uh, the third and the fourth one were much easier to to be able to rewatch and talk about. Uh, they were a lot of fun. Rob, you were with us there as well. So those were those were fun. And I, I do look forward to continuing because I feel like the series mostly only gets better as we start moving on to the, you know, it's a great opportunity for me because um, I I've only, I had only seen the first two before uh, Harrison decided he was going to do that. I was like, Oh, this is a great excuse for me to track all the films down and, uh, and watch them and, and get caught up. You know, it's, it's a, it's a billion dollar franchise. And um, you know, I just never, made a point to try to go watch the rest of them. And I thought this would be a great opportunity. And then he was like, Hey guys, come on. And I'm like, all right, well now I definitely need to do that. Um, would you believe that some of these aren't even available streaming, which is crazy to me. There's a franchise this big, not every single one of these films is available in one convenient streaming package, which is, uh, or on one convenient streaming platform. It's, it's unbelievable to me that that's, that that's a thing. How does somebody not just buy the rights to all of this? Yeah, that was weird to me that, um, you know, you do have to do some legwork here to find these movies, but uh, we appreciate Harrison letting us be a part of that because it's been super fun so far. Looking forward to the, you know, the next episodes that we'll be doing. So again, Harrison, thank you for letting us be a part of that. And uh, for the basement binge, all of the show notes, we're here to talk about Loki. So let's Let's get into Loki with our two-minute warning. And Harrison, I'm going to let you go first. Spoiler-free, your initial reactions to this episode. Oh, man, going first. I've got a lot to live up to. Okay. Um, wow. Where do I begin with this episode? Uh, first episode was amazing. And one of my biggest concerns after that first episode was like, okay, is it going to be like these other Disney Plus shows we've had where the, the first starts and there's so many questions and it's super intriguing and then it takes like three or four filler episodes before things really pick up the pace. And oh my gosh, do things pick up the pace like immediately to the point where I really don't even know how I feel about this. I know for sure that I like it, but I don't know how much I do like it. I have so many questions about what's going on. And not just within Loki, but within the entire MCU. I mean, it's just exciting. All the consistent things are there that I love. The music continues to be phenomenal, and it needs to be released on Spotify ASAP. Uh, Tom Hiddleston and Owen Wilson are phenomenal. Um, I mean, it's just, I can't wait to talk about this because the things that are happening in it, I haven't been able to stop thinking about all day. I haven't gotten any closer to any answers, but I've been thinking about it all day. So I'm way excited to be I'm going to let you close this segment off. I'm going to give my thoughts next here. But Harrison, I agree with so much of what you said. And I, I want to piggyback off of talk about two actors who I don't think anybody would have at any point really just randomly said, let's get Tom Hiddleston and let's get Owen Wilson together because they would be pretty cool in an MCU show together film whatever may come from this who knows but wow what chemistry between these two actors i love them on screen their dynamic grows throughout this episode like harrison said the score is amazing it's this tva city is gorgeous to look at there's so many questions and 
there's such implications for the larger universe where when I went back and thought about WandaVision and the Falcon, and the winter soldier, there were still things that really still seemed like, okay, it was self isolated and you could still like think of these as standalones in, in terms of the shows for me, where Loki is really exceeding so far in the two episodes is boy, does this feel what almost WandaVision felt like it was going to be for me in this seems to be setting up this whole theory of the multiverse and what we're getting with no way home and Dr. Strange too. This show feels like it's going to blow this thing wide open. It feels so grand in this little Disney plus show scheme of things that I am so intrigued by where this is going. So that's that's my thoughts on where this episode left me. You know, looking at what we'll get in three, four, five, and six, because unless I'm correct me if I'm wrong, guys, is we're only getting six episodes of this show, right? I, I think I've got that right. Yeah, don't rub it in. <laughs> yeah, I know. And that's like, okay, so we're two episodes in. We're a third of the way through this series. That sucks. Like I, I want more of this. Um, if I told you, if we sit down at the end of this and we do our, our season finale, potentially series finale recap show, and we've either gotten Mephisto on screen, we've gotten Kang on screen, we've gotten something completely different. I mean, is there literally anything you could think of that you go, nah, there's no way that happens. Like there's everything is on the table for this. Almost anything could possibly happen. Um, they can use this time travel mechanic uh, to revisit almost any point of the MCU that we've seen so far. Um, I mean, who the hell knows what is in store at this point? Uh, Cause they could, they've set it up that they can do anything. Um, and, it, and it will make sense. I, I gotta say, I, you know, you guys praise the music and, and you're absolutely spot on. I want to take another second to just praise the overall production design. I mean, I just cannot get enough of like that old school, like fifties era tech that's thrown like hundreds of years into the future. Um, Not getting too far into spoilers, but there's a point where they talk about an event that happens like 50 years into the future from today. And they're talking about it like it already happened. And just the, the, the crazy way that you're just never sure where actually in time the TVA exists because the future is already the past to them. Um, you get the impression that Owen Wilson's character Mobius has lived a very long time. They, they don't define his age yet, but he talks about having seen Loki's entire life and viewed his entire life. This guy could be millennium, like millennia old, like several millennia old. Um, he could be almost as old as time itself, potentially. Um, that's all 100% on the table. Um, there is just an unbelievable world of possibility, um, for what this show is. Um, and something we'll get to eventually. Um, there is one scene in this that just absolutely sat me back in, in my seat when I was watching this, that was amazing. And I'm really excited to be able to get to talk about it when, uh, when we start getting to spoilers. Yeah, all all really great stuff. And again, it's it's so exciting to think about the possibilities because there's there's so much going on here. Um, with 
little said in certain aspects. Um, a, a few words go a long way in this episode. So that is the, the two minute warning portion of this episode though. So if you have not at this time seen this episode, this is where you would pause. We don't want to have you spoiled to anything that you don't want to you know about yet. So um, forewarning, we're, we're going to get into spoilers starting right now. Uh, and one of those spoilers is Loki is at the beginning of this episode working with the TVA. He's like fully involved in it, which a little bit of, okay, how long has this been going on since the last episode? Does it really just kind of like pick up right where the other one ends has he been doing this for a week or whatever's going on because yeah um they say time works differently there um so i want to get thoughts on that but rob i wanted to make mention of one thing you said where with the 90s x-men cartoon the tva and where they stand like in the timeline it almost makes me remember the four-part episode where apocalypse is at the nexus of time or the access of time where he sees all timelines and he exists outside the realm of time. Like that's what the TVA is reminding me of is that nineties X-Men cartoon and that four part series that they did with apocalypse that they can see and control everything because they're actually outside the scope of time. Um, which I really love because I love that part of the X-Men cartoon and I, I just love that cartoon. Um, I actually rewatch it several times, but um, <laughs> Rob, Best I'll let, music of any show. Oh, I, I love it. Um, Rob, I'll let you go first. You know, what are your thoughts on Loki working with the TVA and not everything is what it seems, but I did like his interaction there uh, with Miss minutes and everything and how he was really, it was clever and cool to see him figuring some of this stuff out. It was such a fun opening. I loved the opening bit where Miss Minutes is kind of scolding him and he's kind of annoyed with the whole thing. Um, Loki is such a fun character throughout the MCU because even when you think he's swerving one direction, you're never 100% sure that he's all in on bad or he's all in on good. And they even kind of reference that a little bit in this too. Um, but you're, I'm not 100% certain as he's talking to any character that, that he's actually being genuine in his interaction when he's playing along with the TVA, is he actually going along with the plan or is he have an ulterior motive when he's trying to convince the other Loki that he runs into that he is actually trying to take over the TVA? Is he really, or is he just saying that to try to capture this variant? Like I'm never, I'm never a hundred percent. In fact, I'm not even 50, 50 sure on, on his motives at almost any point. And it's, it's a lot of fun because it, it just makes you that much more excited to see what happens next. The, the opening of this, when he's kind of, you know, making it seem as though he's completely playing along with the TVA really reminds me uh, very much of, of other cop shows where there's a member of the squad that's not really a cop kind of reminded me of like, if you've ever seen the show castle, my wife was really big into that with Nathan Fillion. Um, it was, it was great fun. Um, I, I didn't watch it on purpose, but if I came into the room and she had it on, it's actually a, a really good time. Uh, and then there's another show called Lucifer on Netflix where 
Lucifer the, himself, the devil, shows up and and kind of helps uh, a detective, um, you know, with with her caseload and stuff like that. Um, it really felt very much in that vein where you've got this other person, this expert, um, who's not really a cop, but is is tagging along with the unit and doesn't really belong there. It, it really gave me a lot of those vibes. Yeah, Harrison, where do you, where do you stand on that? Because I, I think even at the end, yeah, I'm. I'm not convinced what Loki's, even though he says it, I'm not convinced what Loki is doing. Oh, it's so hard to keep up with. Constantly, I'm having to think, is, it, is Loki being honest? I usually, re, re, you know, uh, fall back on no. You know, even at the end when he meets, you know, the person that we're eventually going to talk about, I'm sure, um, <laughs> we he kind of says that like I'm in this to kind of take over the TVA entirely or whatever. And I was like, well, is that actually what he wants to do? Or is he just trying to manipulate this person? Like he, I don't think he's the type of person to just go out there and reveal himself to somebody he's literally just met. That doesn't seem like him. And so everything he's doing, it makes a whole show interesting because you have to doubt everything and it's way fun. But I also want to comment on kind of what some of the things that Rob said. The, kind of the beginning when Mobius and Loki are figuring this whole out together was just so fun. I, I, I mean, the editing, the acting, all, all of it in that moment was just like building up like this energetic fun that almost reminded me a little bit of Psych, if any of you ever watched that show, kind of like what Rob just said, where like this outsider is the most exciting part of like the police force, so to speak, you know, and it, it's it's a blast to watch that. I really, really enjoyed watching that. And, and I, I'm glad that we're getting that type of stuff that it's not just like, I don't know, just pedal to the metal action, so to speak. I, I these smaller moments are great because these actors are performed so well together. Yeah. And you know, not just Loki where, okay, what, what is he really doing? Even Mobius in this gives you a certain level of, well, what's he really doing? Because part of him seems like he's actually really interested in Loki and maybe, okay, I've I've seen a version of you be somewhat good. And I think there's another part, you know, I think this one wants to be good. But then there's also the line where he says, maybe I see a little kid and I might be messing this up a little, but who's cold and I feel sorry for him. Or maybe... I'll just tell you whatever you want to hear so that I get what I want. And it's like, yeah, which is it? Like, do you actually really want to see him? Maybe do you think he can find redemption? Do you care? Are you like, are you using Loki? Like Loki seems to maybe be using you. Like there's so much question, but it's, it's exciting because the actors, they play this so well. They really do feed off of each other like unbelievable. And, you know, one of those scenes, too, in question is when the first mission gets screwed up and Mobius is in the chambers and he comes back out of the door and Loki's like a little kid, like almost begging his parents forgiveness, which could be a you know it's like a ploy but just well what i was doing there was to show you that like you should expect the expected with loki and of course i was gonna do this and that's what i mean so we should do this and it's just like wow like seeing this version of loki is so fun 
to see him switch throughout this episode of, oof, I need to fall in line or, well, I'm just trying to control this place anyway. So it's just been uh, amazing. But as the episode goes on, you start to see, okay, well, they're stealing, you know, this Loki variant, which, by the way, super funny seeing, you know, um, Hulk Loki. Um, That was a lot of fun in those different, you know, the other variants that they've seen throughout the timeline. Um, But the shape starts to take form of, okay, well, why are they like, what is the goal? Why is this variant taking so many like restart charges and there's theories, but man, I, I still don't know. And some of the events that take place when Loki discovers where this person would be, which was super fun. um, There's some pretty significant places that are referenced that are getting a restart. So Harrison, I'll let you go first. Where is your mind going with some of this stuff, man? Like that's as simple as and as complicated as I can put it. <laughs> I don't know that I yeah. have an answer. Uh, I well, let me. Oh crap! Calm I hope my brain because neither do I. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so say, let me let me calm down my brain and condense my thoughts into a sentence here. I have no idea. <laughs> but, okay, in, in all honesty, I think that. You, you kind of said this in your two cents that I predicted when WandaVision started, I even said in a review somewhere that instead of the line it, that, that the WandaVision was going to be like House of M, but instead of the line, no more mutants, we were going to get the multiverse. Uh, I was so wrong and, and I'm glad I was, but I think that this is definitely the case that it's going in. And I saw this article. I wish I would have had time to read it beforehand, but I just saw the headline that said something along the lines of... Um, time travel in the mcu is totally a mess and it's perfect or something like that something along those lines that like clearly time travel the timeline understanding of all the stuff involving time is a disaster and it's super messy and none of it makes any sense and that's like one of the best things about the show and again i kind of go back to what i said last episode i think that this episode and being able to have six weeks for this chaos to settle in our brains and to be okay with this is and and these bigger ideas and these these kind of over uh, seen uh, beings like the timekeepers is going to be a great introduction into Eternals and the multiverse of madness and all the other things we see coming in the MCU. So uh, whether it's from like an actual plot setup thing to a just audience adjustment thing, I think that it's preparing us for things to come. I don't have any guesses what those are, except for I'm continually intrigued with what we talked about, all the different versions of Loki. Are these uh, different time iterations of Loki? Are these different multiverse, you know, different universe versions of Loki? Is it the same Loki who they've been, like the one we're seeing, but later in the future who is just, you know, projecting himself in a bunch of different ways? Is is Mobius a Loki for all we know that he's like succeeded in taking over the TVA and, and now he's Mobius or whatever. I have no idea. So it's just like anything's on the table and, and it's exciting. So that was probably didn't answer your question, but I did my best. 
No, I mean, I again, it's 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 such an open ended question because uh, we've proven before there's there's so many things that you can think and then they just you know you they you think they're coming with a jab and they they hit you with a body hook <laughs> and so I, I just I don't know what to think but Rob, you know, do your best with what what you think. <laughs> You know, I think Harrison's probably really on to something in that the way that WandaVision was setting things up, the way that this show is setting some things up, um, certainly we got this with the time heist and Endgame as well. Um, through 21 films, it's mostly superheroes punching bad guys in the face who have the same power set. That's pretty much what the MCU was, largely. Um you get Endgame where they introduce the concept of a time heist. And, and I guess to another extent, um, Ant-Man and the Wasp, uh, where they introduce the quantum realm, um, you know, they really get into the quantum realm. I know they talked about it a little bit in the original Ant-Man film. Um, and now we, we have the TVA. You know, WandaVision was, was a crazy mind trip uh, from start to finish almost. And we know the Eternals is going to be something completely different. Um, we know that Dr. Strange and the multiverse of madness is going to just, who knows (laughs) really, who knows what that's going to be. We've heard all the rumors about what the third Spider-Man film is going to be and how it's going to play into, you know, the spider verse and all of these other characters. And, um, you know, we've seen, uh, uh, Michael Keaton's character, you know, the vulture showing up in a venom trailer. Like we've seen all this stuff that we just don't know how to process. Um, the next phase of the MCU could be just weird you know like it's it's not going to be what we had before this next phase could just plain be weird um and i'm in for it because they've earned it you know i love how when when loki starts questioning how things work and mobius just kind of casually gets frustrated with him because he's like, you didn't read all this. Like he, he sort of explains it. Like he's frustrated. Like, dude, I've told you like a million times. Like I really feel like that was just sort of a great way for the audience to be given enough information about how time travel and and the timeline and things like that are going to be treated in this show and in the MCU going forward. And they just basically shoot it out in about four or five sentences and just wrap the whole thing up and say, here, now, can we move on? Like, here's how it all works. Just go with it. We And, and don't care. Just throw the popcorn in your mouth and just go with it. Um, and and who who actually knows what to expect, though? I, I kind of I secretly love the idea of Mobius being a, a, a variant Loki, because to be honest, you know, like we'd said, you're never really sure where Loki stands on anything. Um, I wasn't a hundred percent convinced. I was maybe 60% convinced he was actually dead at the end or at the beginning of infinity war. And it wasn't until this show, the first episode where you see him watching the end of his life, where he is killed by Thanos. And I went, I, I, we forgot to talk about this last week, but that's the first time I was actually convinced he really was dead. I was not convinced at all. Um, like I said, I was maybe 60% sure he was dead, but I wasn't all the way there. Um, there's some, there's some just absolute zaniness that we could be getting, uh, you know, spinning out of this show. I think black widow is going to be more of a traditional Marvel film. We've heard the rumors that, uh, it's going to feel very much like, uh, captain America Two: the winter soldier, which is perfectly fine by me. Cause that's a great film. It's one of my three favorite uh, of the whole, uh, run so far. Um, and, and then after that, it could be anything. 
Yeah, um, there's certainly so many possibilities. There's certainly a lot of like Easter eggs to certain dialogue that is said. There's certainly a name drop in the end credits that could mean everything and and mean nothing. Um, you know, Disney has shown that they certainly, you know, and maybe we will never get it, but they certainly have shown that they are willing to really pull the rug out from people and go, well, you thought Evan Peters meant something, but as of right now, he doesn't. Um, so they, they've certainly shown a knack for doing things like that. So a lot of this stuff could go nowhere, but again, we've, we've talked about them running the risk of eventually in these shows, I think something major does have to happen like a, a villain reveal or something where it can't just always be these shows end with, well, wait six months, wait a year, wait two years, because then you'll see it in the theater. Um, I think eventually they do have to pull the trigger on certain things in the shows to keep people coming back or to keep people tuning into like new seasons of She-Hulk and Moon Knight and things like that, where if every one of these shows is the same thing of, well, you don't really get anything. It's all just teases. I don't think they can remain successful, but that's a little bit different of a story. So uh, Harrison, I'll let you go first on, on this next point here. I did have a question and maybe I just, I didn't have time to go back and rewatch this episode. When Loki is talking about, I figured it out. The, the variant is hiding in apocalypse eras where a natural disaster is going to happen and it's going to wipe everything out so they can do whatever they want and it won't create a variance because the timeline is dictated to end. So they're safe. That's where they're going to be. That was another really fun scene to see him like so full of himself for figuring it out. It was just like, oh, yeah, like I forgot this version of Loki because there are differences between the Lokis in the movies um, as time goes on. So seeing this particular version of him was a lot of fun. But one thing that I found odd and maybe it means nothing, he specifically mentioned, okay, I could go to Asgard and I could kick the Hulk off the rainbow bridge or knock him off the bridge. It seemed odd that he would know that specific event and maybe it's just because they referenced that Hulk was there, but I don't know. I, I got the impression that maybe he might know a little bit more than he's absolutely leading on to as part of his plan. But I thought that dialogue was a little specific. Maybe I'm looking too much into it. Like, did you find anything odd about that? Or am I just like, I don't know, reaching. Uh, I mean, about that specifically. Yeah. As soon as he said, I was like, whoa, well, that was extremely specific and uh, relevant to our understanding of the MCU. My first thought, I mean, what you said makes a ton of sense that maybe he knows more than he's leading on. The way my brain ration, or, you know, what's the word I'm searching for, uh, rationalized it, was that I think, because there was that moment that was really emotional for him that I, I thought was a great moment with Tom Hiddleston where he realized that he causes the destruction of Asgard and that it was a zero... What zero variant anomalies or energy, whatever it says, you know, mm -hmm. and he and he's having that moment. I think that he spent a lot more time studying about 
the end of Asgard or Ragnarok before he went and talked to Mobius. And I think that there was events that probably like seeing the Hulk there or, or whatever, whether he knows that exact detail happened or not. I think that he just knows that the Hulk end eventually ends up on Asgard. I, I'm not sure. I think that there's something like, I, I have to be careful here. And I think that that doesn't mean anything more than just like fun for us viewers, but mm-hmm. also does mean Loki is a lot more intelligent and we need to continue to remind ourselves like that. Like it's, it's kind of like a two part thing where it's like, Oh, here's a fun Easter egg or bench point. If you listen to the basement bench, but also it's just a reminder of how smart Loki really is. That's what I yeah. think. Yeah. Good point. I mean, he, it, it's easy to forget, especially so far in these first two episodes, like how intelligent and, you know, he even says it here, like I'm three steps ahead of you. Um, it's sometimes easy to forget that, yeah, he always does seem to be steps ahead of, you know, his opponent, so to speak. So, Rob, any thoughts on that? You know, I kind of had a similar reaction to you when I saw it. It, it was very specific for him to have said, um, and I was trying to understand if that did mean anything or if it just meant nothing, and I was trying to force it to mean something. Um, it, we'll see, I guess. Um Again, because time works differently, um, it makes you wonder, uh, certainly the destruction of Asgard had an emotional impact on him. Um, so I think it's very likely that he could have spent days, possibly years even, um, researching everything he could about it. Um, and that's that could be where that came from. It's hard to say. Yeah, Um you know, one of the things that I really do like about this episode is there's so many little tiny Easter eggs like in this episode to just ridiculously early things. Um, you know, in one part of it in the library, there's uh, a very visible like 372 in the background of the library. And Thor issue 372 is an appearance of the TVA. And I just, I love this about these shows that even though it like, these are the things that I'm okay with meaning nothing, but if, if you know what they're referring to, it's just so fun. It's the Rob, you've mentioned it. It's the, you know, the Leonardo DiCaprio meme where he's just pointing at the screen. Like, I know it, I know it. Um, <laughs> I, I just, I, I love it. Um, the first one that I like the first one, especially for me, like I don't even think Harrison would have ever watched this, but the opening date is an Easter egg to return of the living dead. And when that came out, which I love it. Um, Harrison, I don't see why you would ever watch that based on what you've told us about horror movies. You can't stand yeah, them, no. <laughs> no. <laughs> but like, Oh man. Um, like, geez, I was two years old when that came out, and I swear at two years old, I was, like, begging to go see those kinds of movies. But, <laughs> <laughs> but like, to me, that's just, like, the coolest thing, these little tiny Easter eggs that, again, could not mean anything, but it, it just shows, you know, these are people that care about this franchise. And for, I'd say, 96%, care about the fans that care about this franchise because there's a lot of little things that they do right so that's not really anything to do with the grander scheme of things but you know 
Rob, uh, just kind of piggyback off that. Sure. So um, it's funny you mentioned the the opening. Um, there's another. There's an additional Easter egg, not just in the year, but the location. Um, I found an Easter egg that just even Oshkosh, Wisconsin, besides just being fun to say, um, is, right. <laughs> uh, is actually um, it's the birthplace of a of a key uh, comic designer um, uh, for a, a writer. Um, and he was born in Oshkosh, Wisconsin, and um, he was responsible for characters uh, such as U.S. Agent and Crossbones, um, who we've seen throughout the uh, the Captain America films and shows. Um, and uh, it's kind of fun that that's you know one of the things they plucked out to to go visit. Um, you know, it's it's one of those things where it's paying homage to its past, and, and Marvel certainly has a very very deep long history to pull from. Um, you know, I, I enjoy when they do stuff like that. I, I enjoy when they put an issue number prominently in the background. When I was watching the episode and I saw that 372, I immediately thought that's got to be a reference to something. Um, I just don't have the time to look it up right now. So I'm glad you found it uh, because it stuck out to me like that's got to be something. And and throughout these Disney Plus shows, I think I'm just going to constantly be looking for any prominent numbers to, to likely have kind of a wink to something throughout the history of, of the of the comics. Yeah, Harrison, anything you want to say about just like the, you know, the little Easter eggs and just things that they put into the show that shows the the care that they have? Yeah, there, there was one that I noticed that I don't really have a meaning for and I didn't spend any time to look it up. But there's one scene when Loki was talking to the lady where he like rang the bell and was trying to get the records from her, which was a great scene. Uh, but right behind him, very prominently, there's like a sign, you know, how it has like the, the building that's behind him way across the whatever, um, kind of the entire other side of the building, those other those other corridor areas. It said it had L key three. It was like, okay, L key is totally Loki. Like what's what's Loki three or what's L key three? I, I think it's Loki three. And my mind just started going. I still don't have any answers, but I just thought like things like that, that I was like, okay, that probably means nothing, but they know that people are watching for these things. It's like, and I'm sure there's even more that I missed um, that. It was just like, wow, the, the level of attention to detail that was here. I mean, even in like Rob already mentioned this, the futuristic store they go to, uh, which I thought that the, amount of world ending events that happen in the future was hilarious um but that futuristic store that they go to even the way that that's designed the way that the how the the uh employees have like electronic si signs on uh like a name tag and then the way that the stores organized and the labels work it was just like man so much thought went into things that 80% of the people are just going to, you know, go in one eyeball out the other type of thing that's just in the background, but adds such richness to it all that. It yeah. It's, it's so cool to see all this. Um, and one thing that I found very fascinating is the classification system for these apocalypse type event, because I mean, like to me, an apocalypse, apocalyptic event is that like that's it it doesn't need a classification it doesn't need any other name um that's just it like it's done it's over so you know why are there categories based on certain events because the ones that they're studying 
they all have a different variant in terms of their classification, which again, I don't know if like that will eventually mean something if it's part of this, you know, other Loki variants plan, or again, if it's just, you know, it's all breadcrumbs to the left to keep us off the path on the right, because that's where we're supposed to be. Um, I know that's not a lot, but Harrison, again, uh, what are your thoughts on that? Uh, yeah, I, th- I also thought it was interesting how organized they were about all this stuff. I mean, like not in like a funny way, but like everything has such clear specifications that they're like, okay, we want a scenario where it's an apocalyptic event that meets this criteria and is this level of seriousness it happens within this time period. It's like, wow, like I thought the apocalyptic events were uh, that. And it makes it the whole idea of time interesting. I, I don't think it means anything huge, um, but I do just think it means that the time and the TVA's involvement in it uh, is it, it continually reminds us of how vast uh, their understanding and involvement is. It's like you said earlier, they kind of exist outside of all of this stuff. And I think it's it's really kind of scary. Yeah, Rob, any thoughts on that? Um, it, it compels me to want to see more of this TVA just because I want to know, I want to know how they're going to be a part of the MCU going forward. Um, like I said, I think the next phase could just kind of be weird. And when you start messing with time travel, um, that's when it starts to just automatically get a little, little off. And I think we talked about this a little bit last week too. When you start trying to have time travel make sense, um, there are some people that are just going to tune right out. They just go, nope, I'm sorry. I can't wrap my brain around this. Too many paradoxes. Like, uh, I'll tell you one of the things that I do like is we got a little bit better of an explanation of how those little time grenades work. Uh, last week, it's just kind of like, all right, it's sort of a grenade version of the little flashy thing from Men in Black where it just kind of like resets it. And, and that's sort of how it works. Like that's sort of what they make it seem like last week this week we got a little bit better explanation of what those things actually do um and i think that i think that helped me enjoy the episode a lot more and and we'll probably have more enjoyment of of three four five and six moving forward uh just having a little more fleshing out to this yeah you know they certainly did take time to explain you know more in detail what those things were um and and speaking of those as they figure out the plan and where this variant is, um, it's becoming apparent that all of these time charges that were stolen are in this one location. Uh, we don't know what it's for. Um, so there's a lot of questions with that, but man, everything about this ending right up until the very last part of it is just, it is crafted so well and i can say confidently for me this from the start where they arrive to the very end as soon as the credits hit this is my favorite segment of any three of these mcu mcu shows as i'm struggling with that um i just loved everything that happened in this chunk of time 
And I'm curious to, Rob, I'll let you go first, get your thoughts, and we can certainly get into the spoilers of the reveal. Um, but for me, this is this is the best chunk of any of these shows. I was just so intrigued. Uh, I love the scene. My favorite scene of this episode is actually something we haven't really even talked about yet, but to try to figure out where those time grenades are going. Um, holy cow. Like that is clearly, and, and you can see where, you know, like the, the control room of the TV, it kind of reminds me of like the, the control room of that you saw in the movie Apollo 13, um, you know, for NASA, like way back in the day, like that's really what it looks and feels like. And it's kind of awesome, but you can definitely tell they're having a Houston. We have a problem moment because all of a sudden there's all of these breaching timelines and everything is going haywire. Um, it's it kind of like if you had to try to figure out a way to make people who have the ability to time travel to any point in history at any time have an issue that all of a sudden is too big for them to somehow find a way to resolve. This is how you do it. Um, it was incredibly compelling. Yeah, Harrison, your thoughts. Uh, one of my favorite details that I love to see is when we do get back to that, you know, Houston, you know, central base type thing is it shows the little TV with the timeline, this very sacred timeline and the time and the, and the branches aren't just from a specific moment forward. Like it feels like the branches have the ability to be in every time period at once. Like, it's not like, Oh, from time from this moment on is now branching out all at the same time in a chaotic fashion. And I thought that that was a great, uh, a great detail. And I, it was like, man, the, the, I continually have to remind myself what's going on with the TVA because it's a lot. Yeah, and, you know, specifically, so before we get into the different branches, because by the end of the episode, we know, you know, what branches these things, you know, where these timeline events are occurring. But, you know, we get the reveal of, Actually, you know what? Sorry. Let me backtrack really quick. Rob, you made mention of a specific scene. I- I'm going to let you talk about that. What What was your favorite scene from this? Because um, I- I'm sure Harris and I will have thoughts on it. So what is yeah, this, so this part that you're mentioning? There was the scene where Loki and Mobius are having this incredibly high-level existential discussion. Um, it was absolutely riveting to me um they're talking i mean so much of the first episode was dealing with things of uh, predetermination and purpose and free will and some of those things and and, and it appeared that those were going to be themes throughout this but the entire time uh they're having that conversation um was was so captivating to me and as soon as that scene was over I kind of had to pause the episode because I, I needed to think about it a little bit more. And, and as I was, you know, kind of waiting to restart my, my viewing of, of the episode immediately, I was thinking this is probably the best scene for me of anything they've done on, on Disney plus with the MCU. And then I started to think about it a little bit more and without going, but without really having the chance to think about it too much, this really was among my favorite scenes in the entire MCU, all the films, all the shows, this scene really was some incredible writing, 
incredible acting, um, just really deep stuff that, you know, nobody is, is throwing missiles at one another. There's, there's not, you know, uh, an, an Armageddon event that needs to be stopped. Um, it, it was just an incredible scene to watch. Um, and and I, something that I think I would probably like skip forward to on, on rewatches just to, just to take it in. Um, Harrison, I almost don't know what to say to that. So I'm going to let you do it. Uh, yeah, I'm glad that you brought this up because I was going to try and bring it up at some point that I think the idea of like the lack of free will, if you will, Wow, that was very, very good. <laughs> but the, the lack of an ability that someone has to choose, that if the, the timekeepers decree it, it happens. Anything outside of that is a variant that needs to be disintegrated through whatever those reset things are. I think, to me, that that is like the most classic case of a villain of all time. Like... I think that free will is one of the, like the most important things to like human existence. Like I'm, I'm taking this like way outside of the TV show and just kind of talking more personally. I think that that agency and free will is one of the most important things in human existence. Period. And so immediately when these conversations start to happen, it kind of like hits something within me really deeply that I immediately begin to think about uh, very existentially. And whether I'm right or wrong, what I'm going to plant myself in right now is that I think that it's really showing the evil of the tva i think that deny that saying that individuals have no free will like well why do we have an mcu like so you're telling me that endgame happened just because the timekeeper said so like well that takes away any uh stuff like we are the people in control and like everyone within the organization believes the same thing and so that's kind of just what it it's struck with some beliefs and how they relate to the show but kind of to get back to what more what rob said i thought that when you i mean the mcu audience is huge like it, it is ginormous we know it's been reported from disney that loki was the most watched premiere they've ever had on disney plus people interested in the show there's a lot of them. And so when you start to talk about time and free will and and coming into existence and beings of higher power, there that hits a nerve with people outside of the TV show. And whatever your beliefs are or are not, I thought the way that they handled it was extremely well done. That that no matter what you think about, if you begin to think about it too much, it's all dumb. Like it all sounds crazy. Really, it does. And, but it comes down to a personal belief. Mobius has his beliefs, and that influences the way he acts. And Loki has his beliefs, and that influences the way he acts. Clearly, I think Loki believes that he still has the ability to choose. That's why he's doing these things. That he thinks, as a variant or not, he's going to make a decision for his glorious purpose, the same way that Mobius is in, in their opposing beliefs of things. And I thought that while that was great dynamics for the characters within this TV show, it was also very human because that's what life is like for everyone, uh, whether we see it or not. And I, I just, 
I'm so glad that you brought this up, Rob, because I think it's one of the most fascinating and exciting conversations I have about the show because I, I mean, yeah, I'll, I'll stop there because I'll keep talking forever because <laughs> Rob got me going. <laughs> but I, I just think it's, I, and I, I think that the performances were what allowed that emotion to not fall flat. I got to talk about that for just half a second because these are heavy themes to talk about uh, ideas, not themes. But these are heavy ideas. Well, I guess you could call it theme too that are really hard to come across as genuine and serious and heartfelt and not insulting. And the way that the performances and the writing were able to do that, I was impressed with it. Like my mind didn't immediately check it off as like, Oh, that's dumb writing. They're trying to explain something that they shouldn't go near and you know, whatever they're wrong or however you define it. It was, it felt, uh, it, it caused me to look within myself and, and think about things, which, when you with these type of ideas, that's really hard to do. And I was just very impressed with it. It's dangerous, right? These ideas get very close to things that are dangerous. Um, in Falcon and the Winter Soldier, we had some very strong social ideas about equality, race, um, how people of different ethnicities perceive the same events differently because of their experiences. Um, and largely, I would say entirely, it was handled in such a way that um, no matter your personal beliefs or your experiences, you probably came away from that show um, thinking about things and, and very impressed with how those ideas were, were presented. Um, here, when you start getting into predetermination, when you start getting into anything that revolves around a person's faith, a person's belief systems, a person's spirituality, or lack thereof, um, you run the risk if you slide a little too far one way or slide a little too far the other way, um, you're going to lose people. You're going to alienate people. You're going to have people perceive it as a certain type of propaganda uh, for one form or fashion of the other. And it gets to be really, really challenging to write a scene where you have these ideas um, and you have two characters talking about them and it requires high level writing and it requires incredibly high level actors. And we absolutely get that here. I'm, I'm in love with everything you guys just said. Um, so, you know, one thing that I was thinking of, while you guys were talking about this was, I also, now that I'm thinking about it, think it was very interesting, too, for Loki to be the person that says, so, you know, not exactly, but so it doesn't bother you that you're just doing this because it's decreed, like you have no say in what's going on and you're just you're OK with that and you're accepting of it. And he's like, well, that's yeah, that's what I believe. And that's, you know, what it is. You know, this is Loki is the same guy who's questioning Mobius about, well, how can you be okay with not having free will and everything is determined for you? You know, this is the same Loki that just a short while ago was having people kneel to him and saying, like, you're meant to be ruled. I'm making decisions like I'm going to make decisions for you. You shouldn't have free will because you don't know what to do with it. So the fact that he's even to me questioning somebody about why they would be okay with it was also to me an interesting dynamic when 
it was not too long ago that he was imposing the same thing. It's a great point. Um, it I didn't even really think about that. makes it. Yeah. Um, it's hard to, to have to force yourself to go back and remember that this is a Loki from in our you know, in our current timeline from nine years ago, right? Like, go back <laughs> nine years and remember how you felt about Loki. Yeah. Like, Oh, his care, like Tom Hiddleston's awesome, but like, he's not a good dude. Like he's not a good dude, but yeah, you know, he, he literally was just fighting the Avengers because he, you know, they showed it. He took a person's eye out. He was going to disintegrate that old man for standing up to him and having free will. When he tells him there'll always be men like you. Um, yeah. Just, just hearing you guys he murders Colson stabs him in the back. Right. Yeah. Just hearing you guys articulate uh, the way that you just did just really, it just really got me thinking about all of that. And I, like Harrison said, I, I think I'll stop there. Cause I, probably would just continue to to talk about that point um but some great stuff there from you guys really really insightful on that end so you know moving on to the the big reveal of this episode is lady loki um uh, boy again it's 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 nice that we do this on thursday and the show is released on wednesday because God, my first instinct when these things happen, especially with this now more specifically, good Lord, did I want to like pick up the phone and just be like, (laughs) okay, guys, do all your talking right now. Like I, I can't even wait the 16 hours until we record. Like I need, I need now, like I need thoughts right now. I I love that we get, and I'm going to, I'm going to actually, I've got a nickname for this character and that's going to, that I haven't seen anywhere. Maybe someone else is using it. I haven't seen it though. If, if they are, then then I apologize. Uh, Loke she. Okay. I like, I like Loke she. Let's try to get that trending. Um, But I'll tell you what's fascinating about that is it's going to give them options uh, for what, how they present this character. It's not the Hiddleston Loki. This is a completely different, uh, uh, definitely a different variation on that character. Where did this come from? Um, it's a female version of him. Yes, he can shapeshift and do all these things. And he kind of explains his power set earlier in this episode. Um, I don't believe that at any point this character is just going to morph back and realize, yeah, I, I wasn't really a woman this whole time. I was, I was just the, the Hiddleston version. This is definitely somebody different. Um, so that that's going to change how we perceive this character. We're not going to assume anything about this character sharing the same background. Uh, we, we imagine that a lot of the big beats will be the same. Uh, perhaps it's uh, it's a variation where everybody's gender is flipped. Maybe Odin was female, you know, in, in that world, and, and Lafi was female, and um, you know, and Thor was also female. You know, like maybe that's the the variant world that this Loki comes from, um, and it'll be a completely different take on the character. So we won't know at all. We won't have any guesses um, what to expect from this character. Yeah, Harrison, where where were you on the the reveal here? Well, I was I knew that we were going to get a reveal and I had seen 
sadly because I didn't get to watch it till today. So I, I did my best to avoid spoilers. I didn't see any spoilers, but I saw like hints of spoilers. So I kind of had some j- suggestions. I knew we were going to get a reveal of a Loki that wasn't Hiddleston. Uh, I, or I guess I had kind of put together through this minor spoilers I had seen. And so I was really thinking about it, you know, is, and this is what I have to say, Marvel, especially as what we saw in WandaVision, has been very careful with their color coding when it comes to magic. Doctor Strange and the Enchantress, or Doctor Strange and, uh, oh my gosh, what's her name? The Ancient One, very different than Wanda, very different than uh, the... Agatha. uh, Agatha, thank you. I'm struggling with names today. Goodness gracious. Uh, Very different than Loki. I think the colors mean something, and clearly this, whoever she is, has green magic. Uh, she's dressed like Loki. She's got horns. I enchantress and not like a lady Loki or a she Loki or, or something like that because I grew up watching Earth's Mightiest Heroes, the Avengers, and the enchantress was a huge villain on that. And so when I saw green magic with a lady, I was immediately like, oh, that's the enchantress. And I was like, wait, is that a Loki? Like she's got horns on. And they refer to her as a Loki. But the other reason that made me think that is she continually makes a point to be like, oh, if you're anybody, you're me. Or, and, you know, don't call me Loki. Like, there's a lot of moments that I don't think were just like humor. I don't think that they were just fun. I think that they meant something. Additionally, I think that the show would take some time to explain the difference of magic and the, and, you know, the difference of, enchanting versus the other things that I don't remember that Tom Hiddleston explains in, in a great way. I don't think that that was just like good fun. I think that that was clearly intentional for the reveal that was coming. And it's, it's very, very interesting to me to think about what this means. You know, if this is a Loki, is it from another multiverse and is the multiverse supposedly untangled? And that's how we get one timeline or show we're, so we're shown at the TVA. Is this not a different multiverse character. Is this a character from the past or the future who is a descendant or a progenitor of Loki? I I have no idea, but these are all the questions that I need answers to. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. I I mean, just wow. The dialogue between the two of them, you know, even before the, the reveal of lady Loki, just, I thought everything I set up before was so well done, but you know, then you get the scene of all of the charges, you know, going through the timeline, going nuts, Mobius running after Loki. And then you get the, you know, obviously Loki says his plan to, to, you know, overthrow the TVA. It certainly doesn't look like, I mean, she leaves it open. So who knows if she's like, yeah, you can come with me. Um, you know, is Loki, you know, going to join her? Is he going to stop her for his own accord? There, there's so many questions, but man, just the, how tense that was to see all of the branches going off. And again, for people that were just in, you know, that, that NASA room, like Rob described it, I even thought those actors who we don't see a lot of, really did a great job of like, if this was their job to monitor this, the dread that they started to show when they saw this thing going off the tracks. Like I thought everything was so well done, especially for characters that like, you don't really get a lot of, they really did a great job portraying like 
how big of a problem this is. I thought they played that incredibly well. Uh, Rob, I'll let you continue off that. Yeah. Um, a lot of that it's, um, it's the side characters. It's everything. It's, it's the direction. Um, you know, Matt, you and I kind of talked about it with the, the MCU ranking. I mean, when you look at where Marvel has actually missed, like just whiffed, um, you don't have a lot to point to. Um, the worst films in this franchise are still better than almost everything DC has given us. Like most major film franchises have, or they're, they're, me- they're medium level stuff. Their mid tier stuff is still, you know, maybe not even as good as, as the, the bottom five films of the MCU. It's their attention to detail. It's, it's their careful planning. It's being intentional with their decision-making. Um, and it, it goes all the way to the top to bottom. I mean, when you think about how Disney does things, if you've ever talked to anybody who's been a cast member, because you're not allowed to say an employee, if they've ever been a cast member of Disney, um, their attention to detail is crazy. The expectations they have are crazy. Um, just little things about Disney parks where they have well, like the garbage all goes underneath because they don't want to see a park guest like looking at garbage being rolled by. Like that's attention to detail. And, and I have to feel like some of that same attention to detail that starts with, with those kinds of decisions, the way the company lays out, this is our mission that appears to me to be carrying over into their TV and film. Um, what's the worst Disney movie you can think of? I mean, honestly, like I, I can't really think of many where I'm like, yeah, that one was kind of a, a dead. dark world. Well that, but I mean, as far as they're <laughs> right. animated, right. That one's terrible. We all agree. Um, outside of that, like what's the worst Disney movie you can think of? Like what the, you, you pull up Disney plus right now, what's the worst film that's on there? that isn't Thor the dark world. You kind of got to guess a little bit. Like you really have to stretch like what's on there that you go. I will never watch that ever again, unless you have like personal reasons for it. It's that attention to detail and it's, it's that quality. Um, I want to ask you guys real quick. um, Where do you think Loki and, and Hiddleston Loki, uh, where did they go? Because the first thing I thought, is that they're going to her version of Asgard. Um, but it could literally be anything, but that's the first thing I, I kind of thought. What do you guys have? Uh, Harrison, I'll let you piggyback off anything Rob said and go with your your answer first. Yeah, I, I just real briefly wanted to say something that I forgot when we were talking about Lady Loki or whoever she is. I'm going to go with it. That's my theory, even though I don't make theories. I'm going to go with the Enchantress. Um I think that it's, but even if it is Lady Loki, that would be really fun that we're getting Mighty Thor, like as in like Lady Thor. I think that would be a cool dynamic going forward in the future. But I totally agree with what Rob jo- talked about, even though I totally interjected and like kind of stole a bit of Rob's thunder with Thor to the Dark World. I would still rewatch that because the side characters, including Loki, make up for the blab that's around everything else. Um, and I, I, who is it? Is it, uh, I'm looking at the IMDb here. I think it's, Wunmi Mosaku, she plays Hunter B-15, like that main uh, Minuteman who's with Mobius a lot. Yeah. I I think that her character is going to be a lot more meaningful than we give her credit. Uh, And and I hope that the TVA isn't just like a one-off for the 
the series. I hope it continues in the MCU because it, it looks super duper exciting and it allows for like tons of fun stuff like we've been talking about. But to get to Rob's question, I, uh, you guys are thinking like 20 steps ahead of me. I feel like I'm Mobius and you guys are Loki because I hadn't even thought about that. <laughs> like I was <laughs> I, so off the top of my head, where do I think they went? Mm, somewhere else. I, mean, <laughs> I have no idea. <laughs> the main thing that I was thinking about is, is someone as meticulous as it seems like this variant lady is would not leave a door open for too long accidentally. That was open for that amount of time purposely. And it's not like she timed it, that she knew Loki was going to wait that long. And it's also like she wasn't surprised that they were coming there. Like, of all places she hides out in an apocalypse, she's probably hidden in a bunch of them. And of all of them that she knows they're coming to, it's this one, and she's prepared for them there. Like, not like, get prepared when they get here. Like, I'm prepared for them to be here. And then to have it all plan out to the point where I think she planned on Loki going with her. I, I think that she left that door open on purpose. And that was what I was thinking about. Not so much where did they go, but why did she leave it open? Now, I was trying to get some answers, you know, like I do with my behind the scenes looking with, with IMDb. I have no idea what this means. And I, I'm breaking my own rule here. But I think it's interesting looking at the episodes that Sophia Martino, I think that's her name, that plays the variant, is included in. She's included in five episodes, three of which she's listed as the variant. The other two, she's not listed yet as what her character name is. And I think that it's because there's something about her that is going to be revealed that they're definitely keeping a secret. I mean, like, obviously, that wasn't too big deal. But I think that she is going to, particularly the line where she, like, revealed herself and she's like, it's not about you. I think that means more than what I originally thought. Yeah, I, I'm not sure where they're going. I feel like it has to be, it has to be significant. They're not just showing up at a random place. I think the next spot they're going has significance to the plan. Um, I, I would love to see her version of Asgard. That would be really cool, but I honestly, I don't have a guess for where they're going. I think, you know, one of the things that's just really interesting, there's so many things that were interesting, but, you know, let's look at where these branches are. So there is a list of where the branching time, when the branching timeline started. Um, One of them is Vormir. We all know what Vormir is. That's where the Soul Stone is housed. Asgard. Obviously, we know that. Jotunheim. Hala, which is the Kree homeworld, which certainly we know the Kree are a big part of the MCU going forward. Um, Xandar. We've seen that in the MCU. Uh, Ego. Mm, we saw that in Guardians of the Galaxy 2 with Kurt Russell. And another fascinating one, uh, Titan, the homeworld of Thanos. Again, why did she pick those places to set off charges? What, you know, why would you want to reset Vormir? What would be the point of that? Um, I think there's a lot there, but again, I don't even have, 
I don't even have the slightest guess as to what they all mean when connected. And, and I'll, I'll jump in here. said for me or, Oh, go ahead. Oh, no, you first, Rob. All right. The reason you reset for Mir is because Scarlett Johansson is a major movie star and the Black Widow movie is going to make all of the money. <laughs> and you're looking for a reason to bring her back into continuity and retcon her death. That's why. I'm, yes. I wouldn't take it off the table. I wouldn't put it past Disney. But what I was going to say, I think is interesting that you mentioned Vormir. First of all, how the heck did you find all this stuff out? I mean, like, <laughs> what are you taking out your microscope? Seriously. <laughs> uh, but that's sweet that you found that. Uh, but what was I saying? Oh, yeah, Vormir. How did she find that? Like, that was a huge tension point in Infinity War that Gamora knew about Vormir but didn't want to tell Thanos. Like, it was supposedly a big secret, and now some just lady that she knows about it? Like, I think it's interesting. I also think that it's interesting that she would choose Jotunheim. Isn't that the ice, uh, the Frost Giants planet, right? Yes, correct. Uh, Okay, okay, that's what I thought. I think the choices clearly are wrapped around events we've already seen in the MCU. Like, if you wanted to pick a bunch of new places that we're going to go in the future, this is the play, the time that I think that you would do that. But to do it around events and places that we're already familiar with, I think isn't just an Easter egg. Like, I think that it genuinely does mean something. And I have no idea what's going to happen. And I think that it's so interesting. And I'll... Well, actually, I, if I can come back to this at the end, I, I want I don't want to do now because it will totally interrupt the flow of everything. But at the very end, not at the very end, I just want to kind of talk about how crazy the entirety of the MCU is getting and how it makes me very, very excited for how I think Loki is going to impact it all. Yeah, Rob, any anything with the the locations? Um, I think uh, Harrison's right. Those have to mean something specific to the MCU because she chose... MCU specific locations that where something happens there. She didn't choose like, you know, Dallas in 65 or whatever it was when JFK got shot. You know, she didn't choose like any period of the black death in in Europe. She didn't choose the start of the civil war. Like she didn't choose any of these like, you know, major events from human history. She chose specifically places that had significance uh, in the MCU. So, um, there, there's going to be some chaos that that causes. And uh, is it Wednesday yet? Like, really, is it Wednesday yet? Like, <laughs> can, we, can we just get there? The other thing yeah, I know, I'll just, I, oh. I also just want to add in super quick that I thought, I, as Rob was saying this, I also want to know when in each of these places did she create a, a branch off? Because we could see that it's at different points in the timeline. I'd, I'd love to find out which location is to which time period and how that affects things. The other thing that I think about that I thought was interesting as Rob was talking is that when we have that, that home base, so to speak, react to the, all the branches, they say that they just, I think they called it like a time bomb or something like that. I don't remember. Um, w- the guy's like pulling up a notebook and like searching through it to find the proper code as this, this is something that is part of their training, something that they know they got to give the specific code. Obviously it's not something that's, off the top of his head, he has to search through the book, but like there's a protocol that the TVA has for this scenario. 
And it makes me wonder what is the reaction that the TVA is going to have? Like, I don't think it's just going to be like chaos. Like, I think that there is a plan in place for this thing. And it makes me wonder how involved um, the timekeeper is going to be, particularly in what uh, Matt was talking about in their first episode with Ant-Man and the Wasp and Quantumanium. You know, like, I think that the timekeepers are going to get involved. I, I hope they do. Uh, it just makes me so curious. Yeah, I, I mean, uh, again, just like we said at the beginning, there, uh, there's just so many questions. And uh, again, for me, I can say that, don't get me wrong by this statement, I loved WandaVision and The Falcon and the Winter Soldier. I, I enjoyed watching those series, but through two episodes, I was not as just give me, give me, give me, and my mind racing as much as I am with these two episodes of Loki. Like, this has, you know, uh, this has been absolutely a, a joy to watch two episodes. And again, it's, it, before you know it, this thing is over. So we're sitting there going, well, can it be Wednesday? But man, it's, it's going to be Wednesday soon. And then we're going to be like, geez, wow. Loki is, you know, Loki is done, but this has just been why the first two episodes are wild. And with only, you know, six episodes total, it, it doesn't seem like they can take their foot off the gas. Like, I don't know that we get an episode. That's not just like, this is our reaction over the next course of this show. We don't get an episode three of WandaVision where we're like, okay, we get it. Like, move on already. Let's, let's, you know, and then it hit episode four where it just was fired out of a slingshot and threw us through the end of the season. We, we kind of start off with a bang. Um, there's maybe a little bit of time where they're introducing you to the concept of the TBA and things like that. But uh, you're, you're absolutely right. This thing does not take any time getting you into it. And, and for all the speculation we're doing, trying to understand what things mean and where things are going to go. Um, it just reminds me that we, we have listeners who have watched these series and then go back and listen to these episodes afterwards. Cause I've talked to some of them and I've gone, Oh God, wait, you watched the whole series. And then you went back and listened to what we had to say about it. Oh man, I was, I had to have seemed like the biggest dummy in the entire world. Like there was, like, I actually have a little bit of a phobia around that or a little bit of anxiety that somebody right now is re-listening to this. The, the Loki show has been off the air for like a month and someone's listening to me going, you dummy, you have no idea what's about to happen. <laughs> it's like their own TVA. Like you just blew my mind how like weird time. Yeah. Like someone could be listening to this in like December. And it's like now for them. Oh my gosh, this makes me. Well, somebody is listening to this in December. Like that's the funny thing. Yeah, yeah, they're <laughs> they're yeah. Um, it's yeah, it's wild. I I wonder which episode two, uh, like which episode is 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 a credit scene in? Do we do we not get one until the very end? Um, I just man, I. What is the opening scene? What is episode three's opening scene? Is it, you know, is it the two Lokis? Is it Mobius back at headquarters? Probably getting his head chewed off because he lost. Not only did he not capture variant, but he lost Loki. Um, 
like, oh God, I I need to go take one of those time stones out of the out of the drawer that they're using as a paperweight. <laughs> oh yeah, just... what about that? Yeah, <laughs> they're just gonna Let forget that one. that happened. Like, oh man, like just oh yeah, those guys use them as paperweights. I still love that line from the first one. Like, <laughs> like one of the most powerful forces in the in the universe in this, you know this time and it's just like yeah they're 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 paperweights like casey's just over there using his paperweight right like which goes to show you like how again like how powerful the tva is and again it makes me think of where are they like rob said actually in the grand scheme of things like how does something that outside of this space can do so much damage like literally be nothing here like how much power do you have to wield for those things to be nothing i just want to know where they find their employees like do you just create an indeed listing for the tva like how do you how do you find (laughs) these people like because you could really pluck somebody from any point of history because it wouldn't matter like right pull them from 2410 just as easily as you could you know 1293 um and bring them in, you know, like the one guy doesn't even know what fish is. <laughs> like, where, where do these people come from? Like you, you what? vaguely see them eating lunch, but outside of that, like we don't really have any reason to believe that these characters are actually even like human, like homo sapiens. Oh. Like we are like, they could be literally anything. Right. Didn't, like uh, go ahead. Sorry, Harrison. I was going to say, weren't Loki and Mobius talking about this. And Loki said something along the lines of like, the TVA created you and everyone, or the, not the TVA, the timekeepers created you and everyone in the TVA. I think he said something like that, that like when the timekeepers came along and organized the timeline, they also created the TVA and all the people within it, right? Yes, yes, because then Mobius says to him like, okay, well, uh, you know, who are you? Well, I'm Loki. Well, who is, you know, how were you born? A frost giant. And who is your dad? Odin. Who's the king of Asgard? Like, do you see how ridiculous all of that sounds? Um, so, yeah, they he did make the mention to that. You still but, don't see if these guys have, like, apartments or anywhere. Like, where do they go when they're off the clock? Are they ever off the clock? Do they even have a clock? Because time works differently there. Like, all right, my brain just fried. Yeah. Do they well, even have a clock? Right. <laughs> <laughs> uh, so, so um, moving in to, uh, you know, the, the last segment of this episode, it's where we rate this. So, Rob, I'll let you go first. Any final thoughts and your real scale for, for this episode? Uh, I've got all my final thoughts out. Um, you know, I am somebody that, Uh, when I'm looking at how critics rate things and, you know, they take a movie that I just completely thoroughly enjoy and, you know, they'll still have to find a way to not give it like a a maximum possible rating. Like that's not really how I rate things. If I get an incredible amount of enjoyment, if I don't have any major issues with how something is set up or wish that something would have been done differently uh, to me, that's, that's a max rating. Um, And I'm going five reels here because I, I literally had not one single thing I had put down as a note where I'm like, oh, that kind of sucked. That was dumb or that scene was pointless or that piece of dialogue was was weird or awkward or um, didn't really move the plot forward. Um, yeah, this is five reels for me. 
Awesome. Uh, Harrison, where does this stand for you? Yeah. Um, I just real briefly wanted to just give like one last closing thought because I was thinking about this, if that's okay. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, I, I'm thinking a lot about the MCU as a whole because you think about what's going on and there is a lot, like a ton, a lot. Like my brain has a hard time keeping track of all of it. So I wrote down a list of like just about everything that's going on. Well, not everything is going on, but everything that's going on that's confusing with time and is a big, I, like a big deal. And how a lot of these things, it's easy to forget about them when I'm watching Loki working for the TVA. But I think that Loki, if any Disney Plus show was going to do it, I feel like Loki is going to be the one that's going to make sense of all this. Maybe not necessarily within its six episodes, but I think it's going to lay the groundwork for all of these things to continue uniformly and not in absolute chaos. I mean, like just as a list here, the original Gamora we know is dead, but we have a new one from 2014, but she doesn't know who Star-Lord is yet. Asgard is now destroyed completely, uh, and Valkyrie is the new king of Asgard on Earth. Thor is somewhere off with the Guardians of the Galaxy looking for Gamora. Loki is dead and is now working for the TVA like we're talking about. But it's not the Loki we know. It's the Loki from 2012 who didn't have any of that growth. There's a new white vision somewhere out in the universe doing whatever he's doing. Wanda is learning about magic and her kids might be stuck in a multiverse type thing somewhere. Agatha is also just kind of being held up in Westview by Wanda to go get her whenever she comes back. Sam Wilson is now the new Captain America, but then there's an opposing U.S. agent. Additionally, Agent Carter is now in the U.S. as the power broker and is going to exploit everything within the U.S.'s power. Sword is now working with the Scrolls and is in space. And um, the I forget her name. Monica Rambo is now Spectrum and has powers, and she's working with Nick Fury and the Scrolls in space. The blip happened and created all the weirdness of people skipping five years, and we're going to deal with all that drama in a great court TV show with She-Hulk. I'm still betting on that. Uh, the Eternals are getting involved eventually, I, I'm guessing from the trailer. Doctor Strange is going up against Wanda or working with Wanda in the multiverse. Spider-Man is supposedly going into the multiverse in No Way Home. Additionally, Spider-Man now has to deal with the fallout of J. Jonah Jameson revealing him as Peter Parker. Like, it, all of that is happening. And, like, all of that has continuity. The next time we watch a Spider-Man movie, not only am I going to deal with the fallout of Spider-Man being revealed as Peter Parker, I'm going to deal with the fallout of everything else that we've been watching like it is easy to forget about peter parker and spider-man while i'm watching loki and i had to like sit down for like 15 minutes and type all this stuff out and i think that i was i was thinking that wandavision was going to create a multiverse and that's how all these things were going to happen but then i really sat down and thought about everything that was going on and i think that this series and everything is laying the groundwork of and all the questions we have unanswered is how all of this is actually going to be able to continue without things falling through the cracks now that's going to be a lot, and it's probably going to th fall through the cracks of my brain because there's lots of those. And as it projects, but I think that I, I don't know. Like that was a super long rant that probably didn't mean very much. But I, I just I'm fascinated by everything that's going on. And Kevin Feige must have a huge whiteboard behind it all. And I just feel like Loki <laughs> and the timeline is at the top of it. That, that's it's, what I envision. So it's it's one room that's literally the walls are made of dry erase board. It's all exactly. It's all dry erase board. And Harrison, I hate to to call you out, 
you forgot one major thing too. Um, we're 100% getting Lady Thor. She somehow, gra- how does she get Thor's powers? Right. Like, and does the hammer getting- come back? Does Mjolnir come back? Like we're getting, uh, it yes, because there's a promo T-shirt out for Thor: Love and Thunder that actually shows Jane Foster as Lady Thor. Um, which if that is the hundred percent concept that they're going with, I cannot wait. She looks amazing, and not because it's Natalie Portman, and Natalie Portman <laughs> looks amazing. It's the detail that they're going to put into this costume is fantastic. So well, you also forgot a, a big one there, Harrison, on top of Lady Thor. Um, where is Ralph Boner this whole time and how is he secretly <laughs> controlling everything? Yeah, yes, that, that is true, too. He's he's one of the three timekeepers. He's he's, <laughs> he's all three at once. He's he's actually a lizard person. He's three <laughs> lizards in a trench coat stacked on top of each other. <laughs> but oh man. Uh, also, and there's also I forget his name. Um He's going to be like the main villain in Quantumania, the new Ant Man and the Wasp movie. What's Kang. his name? I'm forgetting. Kang. Yeah. yeah Kang, the, well, Kang the Conqueror. We supposedly, yeah. you know, I, I mean, he's been shown. We talked about that. He's been shown in this. Granted, it's just a picture, um, but he's he's established already in the TVA's mind. Maybe they don't know yeah. him as, I, I'm sure they don't know him as that title, but they know him in some way, shape, or form. And you then, know, all those things also that like, Harrison mentioned are, are out there. I think one of the things we'll probably see in the MCU moving forward is it's going to work very much like things do in the comics. You know, Iron Man has his own series. Thor has his series. Uh, you know, all, all of those main characters, you know, Black Panther has his own series. Um, but then they're also in the Avengers books every month. And if you try to if you try to figure out like how they have time to fight all these battles as the Avengers and then. They also have their own separate stories that they're they're carrying out. Like, when do these people ever sleep? Like, if you try to make sense of it that way, like comics have always kind of just like winked and nudged about that sort of stuff. And you just go along with it. Like on the DC side, it's even worse because Batman is in literally like 17 different books every month. Like he's literally right. they, almost the half of what they print has Batman in it. And if you try to figure out like how Bruce Wayne is posing as a millionaire playboy or a billionaire playboy and then has time to work out and do all this detective work, build these cars and then get on the road and punch bad guys in the face. Like he doesn't have time to do it as it is. And then he's in all of these other books. I kind of think what you'll see going forward is, is not necessarily that everything has to make sense in terms of it all works together time-wise. Like it's going to almost feel a little bit more like that where it's just kind of go with it. (laughs) Like there's all of these things that are out there, but these characters aren't necessarily worried about every single one of those aspects. They're just kind of focused on this immediate conflict at hand. And then they get together for the team up uh, later on their own. It's, it's well known that villains nap between 3 a.m. and 6, uh, 6 a.m. So that's when they get, that's when they <laughs> that's get their sleep. That's accepted. Right, exactly. Yes. Uh, Harrison, uh, it, it sounded like you had a, a follow-up too. Oh, yeah. I, I was just going to say that like something that I struggle with though is like why is Spider-Man's struggle as Peter Parker interesting anymore after we get Loki and the timekeepers like how is that going to maintain consistency and relevance but at the same time like i never want to lose the innocence of spider-man 
and I'm just kind of having like existential thoughts about the MCU here. Like I hope that not everything just becomes chaos because there's been something that's incredibly enjoyable about the characters having a consistent journey across everything. And what I have to remind myself is that like multiple things can happen at the same time that like, although they're released in a, in an order in my life, I'm watching an experience of different things that can happen, you know, interchangeably within time, which just my brain doesn't wrap itself around. So I also realized that I forgot to give it a rating of real. So, Oh, what, uh, what is your rating? I, th- this episode confidently, I'm going to give it five reels right along with Rob. Um, not necessarily for the entire series, but just for this episode. I think what it's done for the series, what it's done for the character of Loki, what it's got me excited for. I agree with Rob. There wasn't a single moment or note that I had where it's like, I dislike that. Everything that was happening, I was engaged in. And, and even from a technical standpoint, we talked about the music, the cinematography, the production design, the acting, like both story, plot-wise, and then like actual craft. It's everything about it I totally love. Yeah, uh, totally agree. I can 100% confidently say this is five reels for me as well. I agree with everything. Um, I stated, I think, uh, you know, the ending, uh, everything leading up to it is the strongest segment uh, out of any of these MCU shows. Uh, Not necessarily all three of us agreed, but you guys certainly had your own segment that, you know, you thought was the strongest. But I think, you know, we all agree there's there's just something about this episode that works on every level. I can confidently say that a standalone episode, this is, you know, easily five reels for me as well. So, um, boy, I'd have to go back and listen, but I, I, is that the first unanimous five that we've given for one of these MCU shows? Ooh, I think MCU? it is like ever. Did are are we sure we didn't all give five on one of the one division episodes that was just crazy? Uh, we might have. I'd have to go back. I I can't. You know, God, so much has happened between those episodes. <laughs> yeah. Um. <laughs> right. I think we we might have given it, it. Could it have been for the Quicksilver? Well, what we thought was the Quicksilver reveal. Um. I, I seem to remember us enjoying that episode. Yeah. Um. A lot, but I have to go back. Um, but it certainly Whoever, hasn't happened a lot. <laughs> yeah, I, I th- what I can remember is that like every single time I thought I really liked an episode, Rob came in and ruined it. Like that's what I remember. <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> legitimately, like I know we joke about it all the time, but like I legitimately think about like all the ones that I really loved. Like I can't remember giving it five reels or not, but like. Thinking like, oh, I really, really like this episode. I remember sitting down to record and Rob just like having so many complaints. So, isn't this? Isn't the he? He was Loki. Isn't this easier? I'm just gonna tell you how you feel about it. You don't like it, (laughs) (laughs) exactly. Exactly. But uh, this episode has been a ton of fun. But I would be remiss if I did not allow you, Harrison to take one last opportunity, talk about the basement binge, um, you know, let listeners know what you've got coming up, obviously with the fast series and anything else that you might be working on here. Yeah, of course. Thank you a ton for the opportunity. I, I got to say, if you are a fan of what just happened, you know, where Rob ruined everything, we Rob <laughs> is so good at this that he has two names for it. Here at Matt Goes to the Movies, it's Rob Ruins Everything. On the basement binge, we found out on the Fast and Furious Tokyo Drift everything. It's uh, Rotten Rot or Robbie Rotten 
So he's yeah. quite good at it. <laughs> uh, and it's a ton of fun. It's great to listen to. So that episode should be coming out very, very soon. But yeah, two episodes on the first two Fast and Furious movies. More coming out. We've recorded three and four. And then tomorrow we're recording five. And, and on and on, the road to Fast 9 is a ton of fun. Um, so yeah, that, that's mainly what's happening now. After that, I got to get reorganized. Um, but yeah, definitely the Fast and Furious movies, that, that's what's happening right now. And it's a blast because it's more of what you're getting over here at Mad Goes the Movies because it's at least two of us, sometimes three of us, you know, having the good time of our lives while we talk about crazy movies. I, I just realized Rob, Rob's a variant. He's got two. He's he's, got, he's he's over in this timeline with this show, and then his variant is over there with the basement binge. So, and both of them are just are just mischievous creatures. You know, yeah, they, just rain on your parade. Oh, you think you like that thing? Here's why that thing sucks. They they want to they want to be a good guy they they do but they just don't they they don't know every once in a while they want to be a good guy so they'll sit down and watch the last Jedi and then they just ah, all over right. <laughs> so oh man uh, well I again what what a blast this has been I cannot wait for episode three. Uh, Rob, if you would, I've mentioned this before, but since you're such a big part, kind of close us out with Matt goes to the movies where listeners for this show can get, you know, where they can find us. Cause you're, you're such a huge part of the show in, in general, when it's not all three of us, you help me out with a, a lot of things with it. Yeah, thanks. I, I certainly appreciate that. And it's always fun coming on here. And it's, um, it's something I always look forward to, you know, we'll, we'll text each other with some ideas of stuff we want to do and, and things we want to sit down and watch. And it's a, it's, uh, it's a great time for me to rewatch things that I wouldn't necessarily make the time for. Um, you know, I said that that's certainly true about uh, being on the basement binge with the fast series, but uh, for anybody who would love to throw some feedback, tell us your thoughts. Uh, you can certainly find Matt goes to the movies uh, just by searching that on Facebook. You can find it on Instagram. Uh, Matt's got a TikTok as well where he hasn't done any of the big dances yet, but you know, maybe if we get enough likes or if you maybe throw some suggestions on which trend you want to see him do, uh, we'll, we'll get Matt <laughs> doing one of them. Uh, your choice, by the way. Uh, but you can also uh, email the show directly. Uh, it's basically you just take the initials of Matt goes to the movies. So it's uh, um, and I got to almost feel like I got to write this out. So it's uh, MGTTM podcast at gmail.com. So basically just take the first letters of Matt goes to the movies uh, podcast at gmail.com. Uh, shoot Matt a message and uh, maybe we'll read it on air and uh, let us know your thoughts. Let us know what you like. Let us know what you didn't like and uh, let these guys know that the last Jedi is trash. <laughs> Never. You, <laughs> all the emails are going to be about how good the last Jedi is. Yeah. <laughs> Matt, Matt goes to the movies fandom. Don't let me down. We'll be, we'll be sure to, to read those out loud. But again, for... by the way, if you do send that, Matt will never tell me that you sent that. So please send it. Yes, I, I will not. I'll deny it. Um, <laughs> but again, you know, for listeners uh, tuning into this episode, if this was the first time you've tuned in, um, thank you so much. Hopefully it has piqued your interest to go and download more episodes, subscribe, get updates. Uh, if you're a longtime listener, thank you again. Everything for the basement binge will be in the show notes. I cannot wait to get back next Thursday, record episode three. 
Once again, this has been Matt Goes to the Movies, and we'll see you next time. Thanks, listeners.